You've reached Intricity 101. Hey folks, thanks for listening in. You're going to be listening to the very first Data Sharks podcast. It's one of many. Uh, I hope you really enjoy it. It answers the question, what do you do for work? All right, guys. Hey, this is our first Data Sharks uh, video cast. We've we've got uh, part of the crew here with us. Arcady's not with us. He's he'll be with us a little little later. But I got Glenn and Rich down at least on my screen. They're down below, and then we got Troy Clementi on the top right. But um, uh, you know, we're we're all kind of talking about what uh, what location we're calling in from. Glenn's calling in from uh, from, from some kind of patio in Sarasota, <laughs> and uh, Rich has. <laughs> Rich has, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, he can see harbor seals from where he's at, you know, <laughs> pretty, pretty soon there'll be yeah, probably data sharks, right? Yeah. And then, and then Troy, Troy's going to have drum lessons here going on pretty soon. So, um, yeah, my son has drum, drum lessons in about an hour. So if you hear some loud banging, it's not me, trust me. <laughs> well, we may have a visit from the data warehousing cat in a little bit. She's stirring in her little bed over there. So. <laughs> So, so some of the things that we wanted to to, to chat about today, or that I've, that I've been thinking about, are, are um, you know, I get questions a lot, just and sometimes I don't even know how sincere people are being in this question. Is you know, so what do you do for work? And honestly, like answering that question, is, I mean, it's a little it's like frustrating. Like Chandler being friends, right? <laughs> what does yeah. he do? And and do you? Do you really want to know? I mean, that's like the biggest thing is like, because I could actually try and explain it to you, but do you really want to know? I'm curious what you guys say. Like, Troy, I'm curious what you say on, on the, just, you know, from well, the business well, side of things. My wife, it's been, I've been married, tw I'm married 27 years now. My wife still has no idea what I do. So I haven't <laughs> really got that message across very, very effectively. But uh, it, it was, you know, I try to make things a little, very simple and say we work in data. What does that mean? Right. It's like everything and everything you deal with has something to do with data. And we go to supermarkets and I say, well, you know, you're watching people here check out and you're watching people buy things. How do you know what to order? How do you know how many how many things somebody has bought? And that's kind of what we do. We're involved in information. So everything you see and do and touch, we're involved with. So it's, it's pretty encompassing, but it's actually true. What do you guys say, Glenn and Rich? Yeah, my kids think I'm the uh, brain surgeon of data is what they call me. What, what's dad do? He says, I don't know. He does something with data and he's well, really not wrong. Wrong. <laughs> brain surgeon of data. Um, yeah, when anybody asks me, the one thing I, I tell them, uh, it has nothing to do with computers because if people think that you work in computers, <laughs> then you get the phone calls. All that. My sure. Microsoft Word has got a problem. I yes. can't do this in Excel. Uh, you know, it's... So I got a beach ball you for you on my data. screen. Can you help? So I, I've exactly. kind of gotten into yeah. the mode where now I, I tell people because the thing is we don't just work in data, right? Because like you could be a data, just a straight data analyst and be a guy that works in data, right? Because what we do is what we do is set up like automated processes to make data into information, you know, and, it, and it's, right. it's so much more automated. So what I'll usually tell people now is like, look, we, we build uh data to information factories so like, so if you really want to understand that it's like you've got you've got a lot of raw data on one end and you need information on the other and you don't want to have to manually build the connection between the two every single time 
So what we do is, you know, turn that data into information on a regular basis. And I, I mean, the audience for data sharks, I can tell just from the registrations is a fairly mixed audience. It's like, we've got some business people, we've got some technical people. And I mean, the reason I want to kind of bring that up is because even some of the technical audiences of the Intricity 101 videos, they basically say like, look, just the ability to figure out ways to to explain this to some of my business, you know, users is is a heck of a lot. It makes it makes it a heck of a lot easier if you can come up with some kind of explanation like that. So so just I mean, on the the, the information side of this, I want to get some history. Jared, I'm going to laugh at you very quickly. Go. So, so is, form is, is gone, and we still have not explained what we did. So <laughs> I'm just saying, this oh, question. So on. what do you do? We didn't really explain that, right? Oh, all right. So we so so we often what I tell it, it is hard. It is hard. Well, I always tell people, you know, data by itself is is just ones and zeros, right? It's a bunch of data, and and it and most yeah. of the time when you look at the raw data, so kind of think matrix here. You know, it's literally it's not all that different. It's just raw data, just exactly. What we do is we curate that data into something meaningful. So we take it from that raw, meaningless data yeah. and turn it into actionable information, information that you can use now to make business decisions, turn it into something that's meaningful, you know, strip out all the noise and, and make it so that now it's meaningful data. But I think the key thing is making sure people understand that it's an automated process to do that. Yes. Because yes. people people do that we today the all the time. Yeah, we build that factory. We build the the factories that the assembly lines. Yes. That that because if you think you about know. it, we're not all that different than a manufacturing uh situation where yep. I get raw materials and by themselves are meaningless. You know, I yep. get some maybe I get some metal and I get some wood and I get some other materials and then going through an assembly line and processing that into something meaningful, then out comes the at the other end of the factory, something that you would buy in the store or, or whatever that may be. That's yep. what we really do. We take that we're raw the, material. We're the industrial engineers of turning data to information. Exactly. Now we're sounding important. Very nice. Now that sounds very important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had one of my sons was asking me one time because, you know, they'd always ask when they were in school, you know, it's like, what does your dad do? What does your mom do? That type of thing. And so I was trying to explain it to him. And when we lived out west, he and I used to go uh, hiking in southern Utah. I don't know if any of you have ever been hiking in southern Utah. Yeah. Some amazing uh, hiking places out there. But there's a lot of canyons and slot canyons. And so you've got to know where you're going because you can get stuck. And then there's 200 foot drops. You know, so you've got to know what's going on. And so I was trying to explain to him the difference between data and information and, and you know, what I, what I did basically. And so what, what I did was I took the, uh, in 10-foot in uh, squares, the elevation information for an area where we were going hiking, and I just plotted that out. Uh, like in, in an Excel spreadsheet. So basically you had little squares and it had the elevations, you know, 100 foot, you know, 4,000 feet above sea level, 4,100 feet. So it was just a whole bunch of numbers on this on this spreadsheet. And I gave this to him. I said, no, here's the map. So you figure out the route that we need to hike to to go find these Indian ruins. They looked at me as like, this is ridiculous, Dad. So then we took a topographical map and I showed him and compared. This is the exact same data. The, the topographical map is that data that's been 
processed and turned into information so that we could easily read it to be able to see where are the places that we can get down into the canyon to go find the uh, the Indian ruins. And and so it kind of was an aha moment for him mm. of, you know, there is a huge difference between data and information and, and having that, uh, the ability to, like you said, industrialize the the transformation from from that data to information that's it that's a huge thing so yeah often oftentimes customers will tell us well we we don't have that data or we can't get that information and oftentimes we say well let us see your data and we we in looking at the data and understanding what it means we can build bridges of information that don't exist naturally yeah so you know you get data from one system like a crm system and you get data from a from an ordering system and you get data from a financial system and, and you get all this data together and then we can build, if you will, bridges or links, and this is what we do, to bring meaning together that didn't exist in its in its separate entities. And so if I know what's coming out of the CRM and I know something about my customer and I know something about their billing and I know something about their ordering, all of a sudden I can start telling you a lot about that customer that in each individual system, I didn't have visibility to that. It, it, it's almost like two two things have been brought up. Like Rich brought up sort of the the visual, like the visualization side of it, and really being uh -huh. able to see what what that really represents. And then there's a side of it that I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever looked at Nassim Taleb's work, but one of the things that he he talks about is you know like if you're crossing the street. And he, he really rails on big data. He like hates big data. He thinks it's like just a total waste of time. And he says, the, the big reason why is if you're crossing the street and you need, you, need to, you need to take in certain information to give you feedback on what you should do, right? Now, big data is just basically everything. It's the color of the cars. It's the the you know the the size of the pebbles in the asphalt it's the you know the, the color of the sky it's it's the the brand of the cars the types of shoes that you're wearing you know like just every piece of data yeah there's a, and it's just pure noise there's just uh, it's all noise it's not all and, usable uh, yeah and so i think mm -hmm. i think you know part of what glenn is talking about here is the, is the concept of of you know, yes, formatting it is, is is important, but also just getting rid of the noise so that it's actually informational. You know, and and, and I think in our efforts to become, you know, uh, to, to centralize all the data in one place, I think a large part of what we do is get rid of the noise and organize it. Um, that's where yeah. a lot of the effort is. Because, uh, again, it, you're crossing the street. Do you really need to know the size of the pebbles in the road? You, it's it's irrelevant. You you need to know if a car is coming, and you need to know if you have a a, a walk sign. That's it. Uh, you know, you don't need to too, Jared, it's, yeah. it's different information is, is important to different folks, right? So right. Different people in the organization want to see different things. So all that big data has meeting. But yeah. And I've got a, I got a video coming out about that uh, around access yeah. control. And then, and that's another another really important topic, and, and it's something that's become majorly important with the advent of, um, you know, Snowflake and and just these highly highly centralized sets that you can actually do queries on. If you have all of this data in one place and you have this data state that's just massive, well, now it's just noise to everybody. If everybody can see everything, it's just noise everywhere. So. All of a sudden, this topic of access control has become a major, major issue uh, because, you know, it is noise to most of the people. The stuff that's informational to you 
is totally irrelevant to, you know, the guy in HR. He doesn't really yeah. care, yeah. you know. Well, and you want to keep you want to keep people focused also. Right. You, you don't yeah. want to provide all kinds of data to everybody in your organization that's going to keep them distracted. And you want them mm -hmm. focused on on the the information that you really want them focused on so that yep. they can take that and, and be able to take decisions and and uh, help your organization move forward. So and, and that's one of the arguments. Walk into a restaurant with a menu with about a thousand different items just yeah. in space. Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> it's kind of oh. the same thing. It's like, oh, uh, boy, I've is, been to several Chinese places that are like that. Yeah, you, you go know. like, I want a number forty-five thousand. Um, it's a, a New Jersey it's, diner. You go to a New it, Jersey, it, Jersey diner. It's ready in like, ten minutes, no matter what it is. So that's one of the benefits <laughs> here, no matter what it is. You know. Yeah, you got Alaskan sea bass in New Jersey, like, and, and you're in a diner. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> It's all tilapia, same thing. You just put different seasonings on it. They, they give it to you, and it's like a book, like this thick. Yeah, and yeah. Like, so, uh, same idea. Same idea for you have a sandwich in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, like you said, Jared, I could see the uh, the harbor seals right out here. I went out to visit in Utah. My cousin's like, let's go out to dinner. I said, okay, where are we going? He said, there's this great seafood restaurant right over here. I said, okay. Utah. <laughs> Rhode Island, Utah. There's such thing as seafood in in in, uh, in Utah besides the brine shrimp in Salt Lake. Yeah. I got some delicious rainbow trout. It was excellent. So. There you there go. You go. Yeah. There you go. That that that'll do the trick. So on, on the informational side, when it comes to the the BI side of the house, um, and just this is really on what Rich is talking about with being able to display the information like you need. I mean, that side of data and information and just the factory that we're talking about is, I mean, we've been around that side for a long time. Glenn's been around since Speak for yourself. three <laughs> crystal days. Yeah, well, we're younger. Yeah, yeah I mean, so it's, it's the formatting and, and that goes way, way back, right? And, and a lot of people, I mean, we talk about analytics. Now there's all these categories for different kinds of, what I would just call canvases for, for data, but what, you know, I don't know, Glenn or Rich or, or Troy, tell us a little, give us a little uh, history lesson on where well, this all started. I will, I will, I will. Yeah. Well, it's been around for, you know, I started writing reports on mainframes back in the, in the early eighties, you know, and back then we just line things up on a screen, you know, and put little, you know, dashes across it so that you could see where the, the total line was, you know, that was, that was the extent of reporting back then. And of course it's evolved and we've got, you know, reporting that's, that's print quality reporting. And then we have, you know, dashboards that aren't intended to be printed. They're made to be, you know, navigated and, and consumed. But one of the fundamentals has not changed. And this is one that I always, as we work with anybody, is I say, we have a bunch of raw data over here that represents all of your data. Mm -hmm. We have business consumers over here. What do you want? You know, it's that what do you want that is the magic between the raw stuff over here and me and getting meaningful information over here. And so back in the days before we had a lot of the data manipulation tools that we have today, you know, we were we were pulling raw data into our reports. You know, I remember writing reports and I'd bring down five million rows of data and then start chopping it up, you know, and, and doing things to it. You know, and as, as you mentioned, Jared, today in a, in a well-orchestrated, organized uh, data estate, a lot of this data is pre-prepared for the, the report writing and the, and the dashboards. And so it really does become a canvas of 
selecting the information you want and a lot of it is already ready to go and that's that's what a good data estate that, does is we has that made the tools i don't want to say less capable but like has it because there's sort of this segregation of duties seemingly has it changed the the way the tools operate well it does um you know one of the things that's that's critical is that we want to have the processing of the data the preparation of the data done as much as we can in advance of being having it be consumed that way then the, the consumption of it runs optimally you know it, it's performant you know in this day and age we start to look at very detailed things you know i want to see all my cells by by month by salesperson and i want to know which one is performing to quota and which one's not and all this different information and i want to know what product lines are being sold more frequently and all that data is all, can be represent in this day and age tons and tons and tons of data. Yeah. If we try to crunch all that on the the dashboard or the reporting side, you know that's where we run into performance problems and issues like that. And so that's why having things curated, and that's probably a, a good term to say there, is taking that raw data and transforming it into curated sets, meaningful mm -hmm. sets that have a lot of the heavy lifting of that data processing is either already pre-done or when it's when it's queried by the by the re, the reporting platform or our our visual canvas that they're they're simply asking for those those data sets and and very little processing really has to happen on the canvas it's mainly happening mm -hmm. on the back end and and that's kind of where snowflake shines is that we can have this data state with all this data in it and create these refined or or curated data sets that are now pre-prepared for the business to consume but Getting from raw to that is is part of what we do, and that's part of where you know years of of doing this leads us to be experts in it. And and it's being able to say, business, what do you need? What is the information mm -hmm. you want? And when I talk to business, I'm always listening for this sentence, something like this. It says, well, if you could get us that information, <laughs> then we could do this. Yeah. You know, well, and, and, that's, and that's the key, Glenn, right? Like that uh and that's the art of this and and where the experience comes in for years because because you'll you'll see somebody you go and talk to the business you say well what data do you need which is the wrong question well, to i need ask. everything give, all I need give everything. it all to me what are your challenges uh what you know what are the opportunities here and this is where where the experience comes in 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 building these factories you talk about the curated data right well well how do you know how to curate that right and it's mm -hmm. it's because you you have to have that experience and be able to have that discussion with the business and say, you know, what are your challenges? What are you? What are your opportunities? Not what data do you need? Then you can look and listen to what they're talking about. Then you can go back and take that and say, all right, we've got all this data. This is how we're going to organize it. This is how we're going to curate it and set this up so we've got these sets of information that are available uh, that uh, that uh, you know the business can then grab this. And they can see this information in a very timely and, and very prepared manner, right? So, well, what's the what's the downside of? Because we know what the business is going to say to that question. You know, the question, the, the answer to that question is like, you know, just give me all the data. Right? Well, no, you don't ask that question. So first off, <laughs> no, no, I, I, I get it. No, I get it. I understand that we don't ask that. It's, it's, we're not supposed to ask that question because that's the, ultimately the answer you're going to get. And we know what that answer is. But but what's the downside? Why why is it that just giving them all the data isn't the best idea? Well, there's that's a that's a great question, Jared, because that is you know a lot of businesses may ask that. Well, why don't I get that data? Well, 
again, raw data is all that noise. It's the pebble size in the street. You know, you're, you're, yeah. if your business job is to cross the street and not get hit by cars, then the thing that you want from data is show me cars close to me. You know, I need to understand mm -hmm. vehicles close to me. If I have all of that data, then you get lost in, well, how do, how do I cross the street? You know, yeah. I've got I've got these pebble sizes in here and car colors and park cars and moving cars and 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 so yeah, well, the these other then, cars are in a garage, right? Do we care about those right now? No. Right. right. And and the problem and this is, is this is sometimes the, yeah, well, the data doesn't tell you obviously what is what what is important to you. So when you get a big block of data that's been given to you and it's not been curated, then you can get lost trying to get the answer you want. In, in pieces that are not relevant to you. Yeah, um, I mean, you so, may even assume that the column is relevant, but it actually isn't. Is exactly, and this af often happens, and, and so people, this is what I call the uh, the Excel trap, where mm -hmm. people are getting raw data, and they're, they're on their own trying to curate that data to be meaningful information to them, and a lot of times they'll be pulling numbers out of there that yeah. are not valid, you know, but they don't yeah. know that, from the raw data, there's some indicators in that data that says this, these data points, don't look at those. Those are, you know, something else. And so that's yeah, this is, that whole curation. You're making this a good point. Not to get though. too technical, too, but in that raw data, you've got data at all different granularities, right? Yep. I mean, yeah, th yeah. these numbers may be monthly numbers. These may be detailed numbers. You, so it's you got to be very, very careful and, and really understand what's going on with that to be able to get to that curated data state that really... Uh, provides that information for for your business users to be able to take decisions and and figure out what's going on and move forward. So, you know, it's it's well, kind of that's, that's an important part. That's actually what's important because about bottom line, this is all for business, right? We're talking technology, but it's just a facilitator for business mm -hmm. if you think about it. Absolutely. And that's that's the difference maker to me between companies and something that we do very well. We we are the bridge between technology and business, and we know the purpose of, the, of why you're using technology. And sometimes you lose right. sight of that. You get kind of mm -hmm. a new shiny toy that's out there, and you want to play with technology. The entire yeah. the, the whole purpose is to solve a business problem. So right. we and do this, focus on that, and that's, and that's exactly that's why one I of the biggest. That's one of the biggest problems right now that I'm starting to see with people talking about these new database platforms that are out there in the cloud. It's like, oh, well, look, it's unlimited. It's We, we have no limits. Well, yeah, okay, but okay. the limits now are the ability to actually interpret it as information. It's yeah. not a technical backend limit anymore. It's the fact that being able to take this and get what is salient to what you should be analyzing is the problem. So it's like, I mean, Arcadia and I, he, he was telling me about an article he read where, you know, just, just you know, you don't, you no longer have to curate data. You could just, you could just do it as a, a giant data set. And I'm like, man, that is, that is such a recipe for disaster when it comes to actually uh, enabling a business, because then you're basically back to square one with people arguing what version of the truth is correct. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the so. balance between self-service and, and, and self-service is the, the thing that everybody wants, because technology people would like to say, hey, we want to get out of the business of, of having to provide, you know, all this data and curate it and all this. And so let's make it self-service to our, our business users. The problem with that is, again, back to if I give you access to all this raw data without doing any preparation of it and preparing it and making it meaningful, then you're, you're just swimming in data. You're, you know, yeah. I always say raw data is like sewage. 
You know, there's yeah. good stuff in there and there's bad stuff in there. And if you're swimming in the That's sewage, the you're, you're yeah, going to come out. about the good you know, stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to. Exactly. You <laughs> well, and, and so, you know, a lot of times what we do That's is good. we are the, 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 the treatment plant. We have to take yeah. and say, this is important. This is not. This is meaningful. This is not. Mm-hmm. And, and that curation process, um, you know, is something that the technology today has made it a lot easier. Now, you know, yeah. if I look back many years ago, the amount of effort we used to have to do to, to work with data was, you know, a lot. Yeah. And we didn't have the quantities of data that we have now. And so it's even more important now, the, the importance of being able to say, business, what is it that you want? You know, and get in the mindset of the, the, data, the day in the life of that business group or that department or, or that, that uh, area and say, okay, let's understand what it is you want. Let's not talk about the technology. Let's talk about your business. And really yeah. having those business discussions, because what will happen is they'll start to allude to information gaps that they have. We don't, we, we can't see this. We don't know this about our customer, or we don't know this, or we don't have a good understanding of what product mix they're buying. And, and as we roll out new products, our, our products taking, um, you know, the buyer's mind from one thing to another. We don't know that. How do we find that? And that's where we start to say, okay, we know what we need to focus on. And so then mm-hmm. we start to say, all right, you've said a bunch of things about how you want information. And it's a lot of those we, we call it the buys. I want to know this, buy this, buy this, buy this. This starts to help us to say, okay, we start to know how to create subject areas of data. You know, I want to know sales. I want to know product mix. I want to know customers, okay? And so then we start curating that into subject areas that are meaningful, and then we create these intersections of those that start to bring in the the activities, you know, the purchases, the 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 orders the the mm-hmm. touch points of our customers and then when we line all those up then we can give a a curated data set that is a lot of information but now it's made very navigable you know a person can easily now say well i want to see customers and i want to see my salespeople and i want to see product mix and i can then use those canvases those those dashboard canvases to really start making meaning of this Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's where you kind of go from the noise to to something valuable. So when we don't have this curated layer, and I'm, I'm just trying to just kind well, of the fallacy on... that happened. Well, let's let's talk yeah. about some of the, the data fallacies that happened over the last ten years. As big data kind of came to be, and this is why a lot of people have gotten a, a sour taste in their mouth for big data, is we said, well, what if we got everything we got and we just threw it into this great big Hadoop monster? Okay, so all the data is there. Great. Now, you go find it. And so (laughs) the problem was is they go find part. And so people were, you know, building tools and whatnot to kind of, you know, Google-esque this this body of data. And they were getting back data that was completely irrelevant to what they were trying to, to do. And so tons of effort, tons of work was put in to try to make meaning of that. And really what we lost sight of is just bringing all the data together does not provide information to anybody. Right. It's it having all the data together is a huge thing for us because now we have all of the raw materials that we need to build anything we want. Okay. Mm-hmm. But now we go back to the business and say, now now tell us what you want, and that's what we're going to go build from the raw data. Yeah, I like to say that 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 the that the centralization or the data lake, uh, it's solving the locality problem. 
You know, yeah. I don't have a thousand connections that are individually connected to different analytics. I have, you know, I have a single location where all of this data sort of resides. So I don't have to piddle with the locality problem constantly. I'm, I, I've got one location where all that data exists, but that doesn't solve the, the conformity problem. You know, the, right. the, the problem that my data is, is it, it is all in one place, but it's, uh, you know, actually knowing what data is informational and how to use it, you know, that, that part is, is still yet to be solved. And I think a lot of, I think this has to do with sales reps. Honestly, I'm sorry to say that, but like, I think sometimes sales reps of BI <laughs> companies are, sales, guys. yeah, I mean, I think they kind of approach sometimes companies with this, uh, especially on the BI side. So BI analytics, anything dashboards, you know, the, the, the whole, what I have to do is if I'm a BI sales rep or an analytics sales rep, I've got to convince the business that this thing is so easy to use, right? That the data turns into information just like magic in this tool. And the, the problem with that perception is that there's no awareness from clients that there's a serious amount of work. They don't see the pre-sales rep with, you know, six cans of, uh, uh, of Red, Bull. Red Bull. Yeah. Trying to stay awake at night, putting together a demo for the client. Right. But, but when they see it to the clients, like, oh my gosh, this is like, you know, and then they look at their IT team or their BI team. And they're like, these guys did this like overnight. What are we wasting our time on whatever direction we're going? Right. So I think, I think this is part of the problem is that, that, People believe data turns into information uh, automatically, and it's it it doesn't. I mean, it's no. a lot well, of hard work. You know, the interesting thing about that, though, is that it's really it's really kind of cool that that's where we're at. We've got to train people and teach people. But I mean, in the years past, we didn't have like a snowflake, and so there were yeah. so many other hoops that we had to jump through. Now <laughs> we've got, you know, I mean it's so exciting that there are so many tools that we can do, yeah. you know, so much with, but, but it's like anything, um, you know, along those lines, you know, you, you get a new Ferrari and, and you're like, yeah, this is really cool. It can go really fast. Well, you can also wreck it really bad too. Yeah. Um, you know? Yes. And, and so it's one of those things where there's gotta be an understanding and snowflake and, you know, these tools, they enable us to do so many wonderful things, but you, but that, it makes it even that much more important to have a clear understanding of, of what needs to be done and why it needs to be done and how it should be done. You know, yeah. how you build that factory. Uh, it, it, uh, you know, so the, the tools are, are really cool. It's amazing. But, yeah. but uh, what are the, what's that uh, quote, you know, with that, uh, comes greater great responsibility power. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. With great <laughs> you know, power comes great responsibility. Oh, and this is, again, I think, um, I think, I think sales reps bear a lot of the, the, uh, you go back to sales again, Jared. I yeah. Mean, I, I, I mean, mean, the fact of the matter is, is these things aren't, uh, yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into these things, but they are yeah. powerful tools and they understand who they're shelling to as well. These are business users who want to see things. Yeah, yes. sometimes again, IT wants to build what they think you want to see, and business is right. selling IT what they want to see. It's not always the same thing. So it's really that delta that sales guys are selling to. Yeah, and I mean, and, and, and of course, right now, so. and yeah, and you have to be, you have to sell a vision, and I I totally get mm -hmm. that. But 
you know, I, there's a video I released about uh, this, this couple of years back called "Beware the BI Demo," and <laughs> and and it just gets to me that that sometimes organizations um, get a very jaded perception of the level of effort required to turn data into information, um, simply because they saw a BI demo. Uh, someone imported an Excel spreadsheet of data. Um, and, and there's no awareness of the fact that that is sort of a, a microcosm of effort in the, in the grander scheme of, of effort involved in turning data information for the entire enterprise. So take, for example, I mean, and, and this really became a problem when I would say Tableau and, and some of those guys uh, started gaining prominence is uh, and, and actually, it started for me with Spotfire. Uh, you could take an Excel spreadsheet and just, you know, turn it into magic. I mean, it was really cool. Uh, There's this, all this in-memory stuff. It could just automatically generate, you know, analytics that you could uh, you could sort through. Um, the problem was is that uh, it made enterprise analytics look silly uh, because the level of effort looked easy because you could just import an Excel spreadsheet. Um, you know, and I don't know. I mean, the 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 reality of that, and I I know I know what the arguments are. Uh, um, I mean, the biggest challenge with that is is that when you go to deploy that co corporate wide, it's it's undoable. Uh, there's there's not a in memory structure corporate wide that could deal with all all of the permutations that a client wants, uh, unless you build a data warehouse. And so I, I kind of feel like that advent of in-memory analytics um, created some problems for yeah. people's perception of what the level of effort was to build this stuff. And, and I'm, Glenn, I won't tell the client name, but if you recall back one of our healthcare clients that got sold a bill of goods with an in-memory analytics uh, demo, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I... I and ended up spending millions, I mean, uh, tens of millions of dollars on a pipe dream um, uh, simply because they could do a, a quick and dirty demo uh, uh, of an in-memory solution and then realizing when they try to go roll it out to the rest of the organization, there's it's a lot more complexity. Right. In that well, scenario, the sales guy was bad. I'll give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> that one also, white flags up. Well, one of the things, and, and and you know, so the BI vendors are out there trying to show simplification of of accessing data and and how you can paint the data on your screen in charts and yeah. graphs and things like that, and and those are very valuable tools. Uh, you know, I don't want to cast them aside because they do provide the no, ability you have to, to have visualize. them. You have to it, have them. It's the topographical it, map. You, it, you it, have to it's, have it. It's the middle section that gets missed. Yes. You know, if we have raw data clear over here, you can see my hands here now, you know, it's not wide enough screen. See, you have raw raw material clear over here, and then you have something that you want to consume that's refined over here. If we don't have that middle process, and this is the process that a lot of organizations are afraid of or don't have expertise in or just don't realize that the importance of that, and that is, you know, how we refine that data into subject areas. Yeah. You know, and this is so important. And we th we talk to our clients about this all the time is, is, you know, a lot of people when we say data warehouse, there's, you know, eyes roll and, oh, we've tried this and it never worked. And, 
and I say, well, show me what you've built. What did you build? You know, and I look at it and I say, well, what, what you built was a, was a, yeah, it was a, not a data warehouse. It was data warehouse by name only. And yeah. there were fundamentals that were missed. And so when we go back and we say, now, just like anything, fundamentally, you have to do things right. And so as we talk about, you know, building a data warehouse, one of the things that we always are, are reminding everybody is we need to create conformed dimensions. I mean, yeah. and these are the subject areas, you know, product. I want to have an understanding of product. Product is, and, and that's all that's in there. It's, it's, it's information about the given product. This is product. the part where business people go conform dimensions. The, the dimensions, like, like, is this like a multi-dimensional world? Are we, well, yeah. you know, and then are we going well, into a new bubble? Like, what's the, mm -hmm. what, what are we talking about there? If we can bridge people from, once they get it, though, it, it's just funny. I always enjoy working with people and they're struggling with with understanding why we do this you know aren't we just yeah. moving the data somewhere else you know why are we doing this i had a, a cio of a large uh, uh retail chain and i was mm -hmm. sitting in his office and i was explaining this to him and he was getting frustrated and he kept throwing up questions and trying to say but what about this and what about this and i finally said you know i won't use his name but i said be quiet let me fully <laughs> explain this and Stop. then you can ask questions and once I did that, he actually stopped for a second, got it. No, and you didn't then, say be quiet, did you? I no, think I did Something else I came out. I said something else, but he was <laughs> frustrated with it. But he got it, and it was like he had like the this angels is. came down and sang to him. You know, it was like, whoa, now I get why you do this. Yeah. And then he he got so entrenched in it, he made all his people read the Kimball books, and it was you know required <laughs> reading, and um, because all of a sudden we could take. <laughs> this block of data that they had been struggling with for years and years and years, just this enormous amount of data, and start bringing it into meaningful sets. That they say, yeah. we know what customer means. We know what product means. We know what our sales guys are. We know what our employees mean. And now we bring those curated subject areas, and we then interlace them with how they cross each other. And a lot of times, mm -hmm. products cross um you know uh, orders when people order them so that transaction of yeah. the order we now bring that curated data to bear on that and now we can look at things in a very organized meaningful cleaned up way you know I mean, and in, we can and prior to that um and i think i know which which client you're talking about i mean prior to that you, you you're what organizations have to rely on when they don't have this is they just have to rely on data analysts to do it manually, you know, manual work. And then what, you, what you get, division yes. each group. yeah. And each, each group has their own take on it. Mm -hmm. They have yeah. their own method of doing it. They have their own. So it's almost like now you're serving up a fondue restaurant where everybody's cooking their own food. The quality of the cooking is questionable at every, every turn, Yeah, you know, and uh, and the ingredients are questionable as well. You don't even know, you know, what what each table's getting. Um, and, you know, I, when I was here, uh, I was at a uh, at a BI conference. Uh, I think it was a Looker conference. Um, one of the one of the people that presented, I I had talked with him afterwards, and 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 he was talking to the necessity of having curated data like this in in a data warehouse. And I said, well, what was it like prior? Because uh, they were using um, um, 
I don't think they were a Looker client at the time, but they were they were using an analytics tool to um, to you know just have various analysts uh, pull up the analytics. And he said, well, the problem we had is that we couldn't actually make decisions in our meetings. The meetings themselves were problematic because we would get in the meeting and everybody would have their own own version uh, of it. <laughs> yeah, their own their own analytics, right? So one would have you know. Uh, Excel spreadsheet. Another one would have a, you know, maybe a Tableau or even Looker. They would have just different. Yeah, who has the latest things. data? Who has the latest data? Yeah. Well, yeah. then it's like, well, then it's like, well why aren't from? you performing? Well, I'm yeah. performing just fine, you know. And and then it becomes <laughs> it becomes an argument about who has the correct set of data, yeah. who has the best analytics tool. And they literally were competing on analytics. In the he said he said it wasn't until and he says it was because after about four or five of these meetings where they just all of them broke down. He's like, we basically made a decision. We had to take a serious look at what was going on here, why we couldn't make these decisions and why our data was so dispersed. He says, that's when we started approaching the topic of actually building a data warehouse. And he says, it changed everything. He's like, our, our entire management meeting is a, is a different situation completely. We don't argue about whether the data is correct. We, 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 we might argue about you know what processes we're using, but we're we're not arguing whether you know someone has a better set of data than the other person. The I think this thing, gets back to the canvases. Go ahead. Well, I would say the other thing, and and as we kind of talk about data warehouses, and and we've been doing this for a long time, and you know I've I've garnered a lot of experience, and we know what works and what doesn't work, and and how to do it. I always say the 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 telltale signs of a good data warehouse, even if we're dealing with a lot of data behind it is that the data warehouse itself is very simple. It is mm -hmm. very refined um, and the business consumers can easily navigate it and use it. Um, when I see data warehouses where it's you know thousands of tables, I always go, mm -hmm. something went wrong here. Something, we crashed and burned yeah. somewhere. You, know, you can we, run we, this report looking at this number, but only on Tuesdays and if you're... Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you have to know to use this one on this situation and use this one over here for this situation. Right. And if, yeah, you if you're joining it to products, you have to use this number. But if you're actually, uh, you know, looking at uh, orders also, then you have to go use this other number. Yeah. It's a nightmare and then nobody can use it. So and these right. are the, the signs. Problem that, that you were talking about, Jared, where now people are arguing about the data and instead yeah. of having information to be able to, to take decisions and move the business forward, so. And I've kind of noticed that even, for example, the um, data cataloging. Well, even a, uh, now we're losing you, Troy. But uh, but I remember years ago we were with a customer. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> now you're back. We were with a large healthcare company who spent seventy million dollars in a data warehouse with six users. There you are. Oh. Seventy million dollars for six users. That's that is crazy. Well, and 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 a lot of times this is what ends up happening is because we don't have a good, we're not plugged into the business, and we don't understand the business needs. You get myopic for six users, on, on and a, that's an user. issue. Yeah. Do you, so so doesn't this get to when people build data warehouses like this that are just bombs? Mm -hmm. You know. Do you think this is largely due to the fact that that it was attempted to derive the business requirements from the raw data? I mean, yes, isn't that most that's, of the that's, reasons? 
that's a that's often a big you know what causes problems and when people why can't you do that like 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 piece that apart like why is it that you can't look at the data and then say well look this is a customer this is a product this is i mean it would seem like you could do that well you could sit down uh, as a as a data engineer and look at data from different sources and say, well, I've got some customer information here and I've got product information yeah. over here and maybe I've got some other details over there. Again, that's doing some level of curation, but you have to take it further than that. This is where, you know, um, and, and I always appreciate uh, Ralph Kimball saying this, and he always says it at the, at the beginning of any of his books, his, his comment was, if the business isn't driving this, then it will fail. So the number one thing is, we have to understand what is it that the business wants to do? You know, you use the example of crossing the street. Well, if the business wanted to analyze the pebbles in the road, then having that data about the pebble size would be germane. But if they just wanted to cross the road, we don't need to focus in on some of that noise. And so understanding what the business is trying to accomplish, what's, in, what's important to them. I made that reference to the CIO I talked to at, at a large retail store. We sat down with them and we started talking about what do you want to do with this data? And they said, well, we have this huge problem with managing our salespeople on the floor of our, our department store and just simply standing behind a cash register and, and getting paid to stand behind the cash register. They're not selling anything. And we want our people to go and, and talk to our, our customers and upsell them. You know, hey, you're buying a pair of pants. Have you thought about a shirt? Let me show you some shoes, you know, all that stuff. And they weren't getting that out of their salespeople. Mm-hmm. And so we looked at it and we said, but you have the data, you could do that. And so right. we sat down and started kind of disassembling their data into meaningful subject areas. We want to understand sales. We want to understand product mix. We want to understand employees. We want to understand uh, you know, when we're seeing things from sales items, promotional items versus standard price, you know, all this stuff. And we sat down and we created a, um, a, a data warehouse for them and then created some reports specifically to support their sales people mm-hmm. and helping them drive change. And it was so successful. And we did it in, in one region, in the Northeast region. It was so successful that that uh, the the head of the, the chain of department stores said, what are you guys doing? <laughs> because you literally have changed everything. All of a sudden, people are acting the way we want them to. People yeah. are not being, uh, you know, getting their commissions by simply standing behind the cash register anymore. But there was some said, magic well, you did on the front end, if I remember correctly. It wasn't yeah, we just. Did. It was. It was, it was just a combination. Back it was back end and front end. Um, sure. Give a, me some sure. of the. Give me some of the goodies on the front end. So one of the things that we did is. They had spent all this money training their sales associates to upsell, went through, spent millions of dollars putting everybody through this training, and everybody came back and stood behind the cash register. And they said, well, we're frustrated. How do we change this? And I said, well, information, like the information in the dashboard on your car, provides you information to drive you to make behavioral changes. And so by taking data, what we did is we, we created a very simple report that was posted in the break room of every place and it listed by department who were the top salespeople. And we had a red line in the report, a big heavy red line. And if you were above the red line, you were in good standing. If you were below the red line, you were in poor standing. And if you stayed below the red line, you could be dismissed. 
And what we changed is we started to analyze what the sales patterns were for each employee. And we started to say, if we see a, an employee start to create a product mix that is in this es in essence upselling, you know, yeah. so if they bring to the cash register pants, shirts, and a tie, yeah. most likely they, the sales person upsold it. We also looked at frequency of how often they, they did a transaction. And so if we see one salesperson doing transaction one after the other after the other, we know they're standing behind a cash register. Okay. Mm -hmm. well, and and not, Glenn, one of the other key things too, remember, you know, when, when Jared's asking what were the, you know, the goodies here, uh, we also took all of that data, turned it into information so that we could provide those, the sales associate, for example, if you're below the red line, this is why, and this is yeah. what you need to do to get above the red so line. You, so it wasn't just a, a measurement. It that? wasn't just a measurement. It was a. It was a. How do you change? It was. It was yeah. information to drive change in the. Was it like the, in a key or something like in the dashboard? No, it was. It, we, they actually printed it and stuck it up on the walls. Yeah, this um, was before everybody had a dashboard on there. And you, and you think these are people that are out on the sales floor, so they're not sitting in front of a computer. computer right, what, right. Well, we, we purposely was, printed it on a, on a mosaic that we, they were big, white sheets, oh, 11 yeah, by 17 or something like that. Right. And they would they would print it every morning and stick it on the wall. And so um, when they came happened? into the break room, they saw it. Got it. And then we created promotional sales promotional products from that data as well and so if you were the leader in your area in your department you got an award I mean we did all this stuff we had the president of the company totally you know amazed at what this was doing because we were taking now raw data from cash register point of sale systems we yeah. were taking data from we had the president of the company what's that no, we're, I, I, we're taking data from. <laughs> I think Troy is. <laughs> I, I don't know who's. Sorry, my Wi-Fi is going crazy. Here. My apologies. <laughs> but but <laughs> it was it was listening to what the business wanted, being able to identify where the data, raw data could come from, bringing it together, organizing it so that we could turn it into meaningful stuff, but, but, and then it was listening to what the business wanted, being able to. I think we're getting feedback from the Yeah, let me. There we go. <laughs> and he well, never that, heard of that, again. And that was one of the keys, and, and really all this stuff that we're talking about um, is that you know this takes this is where experience comes into play, right? It's it's understanding the technology, understanding data, those types of things, but then also being able to translate that, understand the business, marry those two together. Mm -hmm. um, and in that particular project that, that uh, you know, we've been talking about, that ability to be able to understand the business, uh, understand from the business what they wanted to accomplish, what their challenges were, where they wanted to go, and then be able to yeah. take that data, look at that data, say, how do we curate that data? How do we present that data in a way that's going to drive change within our organization down to the individual level uh, and help develop our are the members of our organization and help them to progress and move right. forward in a way that's going to allow us to be more successful and to meet our, our business goals, right? That's yeah, that, what, that was the beauty there. You know, and let's just take that a little bit further though, Jared, 
because we organized that data form and got it into a data warehouse that was meaningful, we were then able to work with HR, who then took some of the similar data, you know, because the way we organized it and use it for their to be able to work with their their sales associates to to create, you know, because they did, you know, quarterly reviews and we were able to provide them, you know, factual data about that employee's performance. So when they had the review, they weren't, it wasn't an emotional thing. It was a factual thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then see, we took this that is... same data and yeah. we then provided it to the buyers and the buyers were using it to understand what was selling and where we right. had product, you know, and all mm -hmm. of a sudden, the fact that we started to organize that data and had visibility to all these different things started to really open up avenues of decision making in many different parts of the, the organization. I mean, one thing that is really, really interesting to me, I mean, it, and it's, I don't know, it's probably a less explored side of this. And maybe it's because I, I, I work in the world of the visual a lot. But that, that red line report that you were talking about, I mean, mm -hmm there's a side of analytics that I don't know if it's been fully vetted yet. I think we've gotten so enamored with, you know, things that move on our dashboard um, yeah. that, that we haven't really thought through the, the actual behavioral uh, visualizations. Well, um, we can over, often we overcomplicate the visual. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, simple is easier. You know, yeah. uh, you, you get in a car sometimes and in some of these newer cars, there's so many dials and dashes and electronic things that are flying up on your screen. I know sometimes I'll rent a car Not on a Tesla, you know, get in, get in my car and <laughs> turn it on. I'm like, wow, where's, where's, where's all the gauges, you know, you know, confusing here. And, and sometimes just having simplicity, you know, yeah. a lot of times I, I say when we're creating dashboards and reports, if you really understand the business. If, if the creator of the dashboard really understands what the business needs, then yeah. they can create a dashboard that is very Simple. visually impactful to the business. But I see oftentimes, sometimes junior report writers and, and dashboard people, they, they want to throw charts in there and they'll throw charts in there. And you look and at them and you go, what, what does that yeah. tell me? Well, it's really, a cool. Lot of, it's yeah, really cool. There's a lot of use of, of things that are, not not even really that relevant. Um, I, I've noticed on this is was especially the case. You remember Excelsius? Yes. Yeah. I mean, so Excelsius was such a it was a fun tool to 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 fuss with because you could you could really do some interesting things. But I always would you'd see these dashboards that were just totally uh, visual just to be visual, but had no had no um, there was no usefulness to it. And so that that's a that's an area, and I mean, for listeners, I would love to get feedback on on you know if there's any science on this, on you know the behavioral side of of analytics and the visualization of data in a way that isn't flashy, isn't you know, but is focused on uh, what are the the methods of visualization that will that will deliver the most um, you know behavioral impact. And this is one of the things I, I wrote a white paper about this a couple of years back, and we've only got about uh, five minutes left. But one of the things I, I, I wrote about in the white paper is just this realization that I had that this world that we're in of, of producing, turning data into information, a lot of what we're doing is trying to drive an organizational behavior, a desired organizational behavior. Now, it doesn't 
get sold that way in most cases in most businesses it gets sold as hey we're having frustration with you know uh, making decisions or, or or what have you but ultimately uh this is probably one of the most impactful methods of getting an organization to get their act together yes um because it's data and people know it's data and they and and they can't circumvent it and so if you can if you can actually make uh, analytics uh if you can take on the ethos that the analytics are the mechanism for which we drive a behavioral change, I think it's powerful. And I think, uh, I don't know that that gets enough play. Well, it, and it really takes somebody that has a gift in both the technical side and the business side. You have to kind of bridge both. And, and so, you know, people that are good BI uh, producers, They'll be very plugged into the business and they know what the business is looking for. And, and, you know, flashy isn't always better. Sometimes yeah. simplicity is, is better. And, and, uh, you know, as I, I look, I get to see lots of reports and lots of ways that people are presenting their data. And I always ask the question, you know, tell me business, how you use this. Tell me, yeah. you know, Mr. Executive, when you look at this dashboard that was created for you, what does it tell you or what doesn't it tell you? Or, or is, and then a lot of times they say, there's a lot of noise on here. I don't need yeah, this yeah. You know, chart here and I don't need that chart there. You know, it's all about understanding what is the critical piece that they need. Yeah, yeah I got to mute Troy here. There he is. He's on mute now. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I just ran out for a quick lunch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, guys, I think this was really good. I, I, um, um, We've got some old friends of ours that are uh, that are pinging us on uh, on go to webinar. Um, <laughs> I, don't know if you, I don't know if you saw the comments there, but uh, yeah, I like but, the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, by the way. So yeah, it is a true true answer. We can't we can't reveal the uh, the question, but it is a true answer or a true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but folks, uh, uh, we'll be doing this every Friday. We're, we're going to be just going over a smattering of topics. It's going to be a lot of different kinds of topics and, and scenarios. Um, and uh, I think we, I think we hit on uh, sort of the fundamentals of of what it is that we do, and and talk through some of the the challenges that that we uh, we look to solve, and and just some of the thinking that that we have. Um, I will. Uh, I'll be taking this video and posting it on our Intricity 101 uh, YouTube channel. Uh, so, so you can share it with friends and, uh, thanks for joining us and, uh, Glenn, Rich, uh, Arcady didn't, Arcady joined late, so he's, um, but, uh, uh, and Troy, thank you all for, uh, for joining us and we'll catch you all next week. That's it folks. Thanks for giving us some of your time. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And if you have some stars to give, give us a solid five and we'll catch you on the next podcast.